This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. What's up everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Only Friends Podcast. It's Tuesday. It's beautiful outside here in Las Vegas, and we're joined by our usual uh, cast of characters, Les, yesterday's star, R.I.P. Melissa. She couldn't handle the fame, everybody. It's the lights were too bright. Bro. It, yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> let's uh, let's have a brief moment of silence for our fallen comrade. Okay, moving on to today's show. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk a lot of high stakes poker today. Uh, specifically, High Stakes Poker, the show. Recently, uh, their season kicked off. I believe yesterday was episode five. Um, so we're going to discuss a little bit of what's been going on there. And we're joined by a very special guest. We're going to be bringing in Shuan Liu uh, after we get through a little bit of the intros for today. Shane, welcome back. We missed you yesterday. You missed a fire fucking podcast, bro. I was in the heat of the battle, man. I was at the Hustler while y'all were recording this. And I'm like talking to to Patrick and Ryan, and I'm like, yeah, they're gonna talk about it today. And then, you know, they were they're actually pretty cool about it. Um, and, and it was fun. Also, got to hang out with Billy for briefly. Oh, he was not commentating. No, he was well before he he like actually runs a like a funny game. Yeah, before yeah, yeah. he commentates, I, I I got to show there. It was pretty fun. Everyone just leveraging that poker celebrity these days. Meetup game this, meetup yeah. game that, meetup game this. <laughs> No, but I, I did get to watch the, the pod, and I thought, I thought you guys absolutely crushed it. Really, I thought it was un, unbiased. Like, I thought it was, like, pretty unbiased. Yeah, so. I, I felt like uh, a lot of prep work went into that one. Yeah. The, I mean, at least from my standpoint, like, the big thing I didn't want to do was uh, blow something out of proportion or kind of over-amplify uh, a lot of the the echo chamber that is poker Twitter. Um, but I think, you know, there was a lot of pretty deep discussion points that you're not going to get across in Twitter or on Twitter. You know, there's just like not oh. enough room for nuance. And uh, I feel pretty close to the subject given that, you know, it's, it's the arena that I'm most often involved in, right? Dude, I was just happy that you were like, yeah, Garrett did the right thing, turn the knife. <laughs> Man down, we've lost Andre's mic. Damn. <laughs> it's no. all right. He doesn't know how to use it anyway. Even though he's the audio video guy, he's talking to the wrong part of it yesterday. No, it, it was fun, though. It was fun to watch, like, you talk about. Like, literally, I'm like, yeah, you're right. If a young pro is trying to come at you and they make a mistake, don't let them get away with it. Turn the knife. And you were like, you live for that. I'm like, all right, you're right. Yeah. I. <laughs> I mean, you're making it sound a lot more cruel than it's intended. It's it's more of just like a casual ribbing type of thing. But also like... Listen, man, Garrett knows exactly what he's doing. Well, like that's the thing, right? Like, you know, we, we don't know where the stop loss is. The game just got bigger. She's not playing all that well right at the moment. Like, she might go off for 100. She might go off for 150. Who knows? And like... That's his job. That is his job. That is his job. No, but I thought it was. I thought it was a great pod. I'm glad that it's like pretty successful. Uh, it seems like a lot of people thought it was a really good pod, and the numbers are showing for it. Too. Yeah, uh, very. I was shocked. I thought there was gonna be 
more pushback. It's such a divisive topic to begin with. And uh, even though I feel like we were pretty objective about it, I don't think that you can eliminate all bias, obviously. Like we definitely have opinions and they were interlaced in that pod. Um, very minimal pushback with the exception of Bunny herself not not taking a liking to uh, what I had to say. I, I, I think everyone was kind of on like waiting to see what she was going to say, right? It was the name Pins and Needles? Yeah. Waiting on pin- <laughs> there you go. You're getting your idiots Everyone's down. On pins All right. and Needles? You've been reading my book. <laughs> no, but yeah, like as you see on the screen, she's saying like, please get your facts straight, bro. Like, and she pretty much says you don't know <clears> things about her. Or, or, or about poker about for that poker. matter. Um, honestly, I, ex- I, I expected this. Um, like, I remember when I was around her age and someone said something negative or not even negative but critical right sure and you your first reaction is not to kind of sit back and and think like okay what parts of this are right but rather you don't know anything about me yeah yeah. and and i I could say a little bit of like it's part of her youth there but what i do find different is when we did some critique more so me of rampage he went in the comments and he was like, hey, there's a lot for me to think about here. I thought you guys did a great job. And I think yeah. that's a big difference in character. And, you know, we'll see. What, what's it's, up. it's strange because, uh, you know, we have an acquaintanceship with both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rampage played uh, Poker Out Loud. And uh, I've, you know, interacted with Bunny a dozen times or so and started speaking with her like before she even moved back to America. So it's not like there isn't some rapport uh, and like some understanding of intention. And it does seem like that's the difference. Like Rampage kind of knows we're not coming from a bad place. It's yeah. not a personal attack and it's not a character assassination uh, where I feel like Paulina for some reason doesn't give the benefit of the doubt in this instance. And you know, that's part of being in the fishbowl, right? Like when you're constantly being scrutinized uh, and you do feel like the world is kind of revolving around you in that David Foster Wallace, this is water kind of way, like what the fuck is water, right? right. It, it is that idea of just like everybody who's uh, shining a light on any flaws, errors, or mistakes is out to get you. And that obviously wasn't the intention. Uh-huh. Uh, I was more so just wanting to have an open conversation on you know, potential pitfalls and errors that we're seeing in this arena that you know poker itself might not be growing that much but live streams are they're cropping up everywhere live streams definitely are it i was i was curious on just like the overall take that you guys had and i thought that you guys did a great job i don't i mean i don't want to like beat a dead horse but i thought you guys did great i'm, I'm glad that i've covered it yeah i'm pretty happy about it and if nothing else we're all really winners here today because the, the, the biggest thing that we achieved with yesterday's podcast is the understanding that Landon Tice is not the character that he could be. <laughs> you are not larger than life yet, sir. But due to uh, your, your fallen comrade, Melissa, we got a little glimpse as what uh, oh, oh, what I your see, full potential could look like. I see so where you're speak. going with this. Yeah. There, there it is. Go. 
Man, he Landon Tyson in a banana hammock wearing fucking antlers, baby. Yeah. Look for him at a live stream near you. <laughs> live is, on the bike is coming back soon. I think this is weeks. the uh, what is it? This is the pinnacle of uh, of male athleticism, whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? It's <laughs> fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah. it's just like it's this guy who's probably like pushing 300 on rollerblades. He's not that. All right, let's see. Two fifty. Yeah, big. he does not look athletic, right, at all. <laughs> he's just in jean shorts on rollerblades, hits a jump in a skate park, does a full front flip, and walks up to the camera and goes, "This is the pinnacle of male athleticism, whether you like it or not." There's not Pretty a damn incredible. thing you can do about it. It was, it was so smooth. Yeah, yeah. it was it very smooth. Was. It did look like the peak of yeah. male athleticism. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, not that point. athletic. No, I love the. Beat. I mean, you know, it's you got the to jeans be. on already. I know. It's, I'm, it, I'm it ready dumb. to go. Yeah. What, what, what do we think the, the hustler reaction is? Like, do, what do we think they, I mean, I haven't spoken to them. Uh, you know, when I did speak to them yesterday, they were like, yeah, I mean, there's a reality show. You guys can talk about anything. Just, you know, just don't attack me personally. Right? Sure. Which I think is completely fair. Yeah. Uh, but they obviously watched, right? Like Probably. we, like Goon responded and I'm sure their team, you know, had conversations. Sure. Obviously we don't know, but like one, do we think that anything changes? Two, like, yeah, I mean, fuck two, like one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know that we, like, came to any solutions, right? Yeah. Like, uh, it's just food for thought. Like, they, they're <clears throat> in charge of a product that is putting people on display. And part of their growth or ability to scale will come with how they navigate these situations. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily know that we arrived at some sort of conclusion as far as, like, how they should handle character building, how they should handle uh, their representation of women um, or anything in between, right? Like at the end of the day, that's on them and the, the public will largely speak. But I think that like, there's a lot to take away from that conversation that can make subtle changes, yeah, which may ripple out into very large. Uh, yeah, I think even just keeping, keeping her on, like clearly people have an interest in her. Yeah, like even when we did the pod about, like, pod had a lot more views than sure. than the last one, right? So, people are interested in her, whether it's the sideshow, whether it's whatever. Like, we don't know, but definitely beneficial to keep her on. It's yeah, right? because the views are there. Yeah, yeah. like they argued. Yep. Uh, I think what you're saying is definitely just like maybe there are some tweaks that could happen that I think benefit everybody, including probably Paulina. Yeah, yeah. I mean, end of the day, uh, it's not our show to, to no, dictate. No, for sure. Um, sure. Just like we wouldn't want somebody with a microphone telling us how to run this pod. Absolutely. I'm sure they don't want us telling them how to run their show. Yeah, and, they, and by the way, they do a great job. Like, they have the best live stream going right now, period. Agreed. Right, so it's like, it's not as if we're telling them, oh, your live stream sucks. Like, their live stream's great. I watch all of them. So, yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, it'll be an interesting experiment to see how it shakes out. Um, switching gears a little bit though, uh, staying in the high stakes realm, poker go revamped high stakes poker. This is the second season that they filmed in studio. I've been waiting for us to talk about this for like a week and a half. All right. Well, like, you when got... are we going to talk about poker? When are we going to talk about high stakes? Podcast has only been around for like a week and a half, right? <laughs> it's facts. <laughs> day one. You want to start day one. Day one. I was like, high stakes poker's out. Today's Monday. You're like, oh, shit. So they tried to do some things this season that uh, kind of brought back the old aura of 
of years past. They allowed cash to play on the table. Um, yeah, they had some people in the back. Yeah, yeah, they had some spectators. Uh, it's it's interesting to me. Like, it, it just doesn't have the same appeal. Putting a 50k brick on the table is not the same as having like the 300k brick. Million, yeah, the 300k bricks from like, Brad Booth. Yeah, like Gee, like just <laughs> sitting with a tower of cash and like only betting in brick. I mean, it's it, like they just won the main event. Yeah, it's. <laughs> it, do you it, think? Do you think there's something different with? I I feel like when it was at was it the nugget or something yeah. in a hotel room yeah it really did give that like home game private game scene is it's, it different in the studio it's it's just uh hindsight right like it was a shittier product back then but we have nostalgia for it yeah if they had that set if they had the set that they have now back then we would never accept them playing on yeah, the former fair. set now right so it's just like yeah we want to see like something that throws it back but it's a gorgeous set it is i mean it's like top of the line there's there's nothing better than it that i've ever seen um and yeah i mean like it's been a lot of action like doyle's lost his goddamn mind he's just cold calling three and four bets and flopping trips multiple times (laughs) through many episodes he's just on one he's he's not in the mood to fold which is really Fun to see because I think in past seasons, like he's been the tight one. He's been, he he folded a, a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He called yeah, off I mean, like a quarter of a stack pre or a third. With four maybe. A third with ace four. Yeah. Hearts. He just yeah. like called three times pre. Yeah. He's <laughs> just, just like Garrett he's dead. Like, I know I'm getting there. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating to watch Garrett run bad against one person in particular, and it just so happens to be Doyle Brunson. <laughs> I said this yesterday. Like, it's like the Godfather and the no, Godson. Just Doyle like literally has all the energy from like. Chip Reese and Stu, like all in him. That's yeah. the only way to take Garrett down. Like he has <laughs> to just garner all the energy. Of Honestly, the it's like a real passing of the torch. You know, it's it's just uh, if ever there's been a clear like Godfather Godson moment, it's like all right, I'm gonna beat you down a little bit now, kid. But this is gonna be your throne to take over. But he, Garrett's still winning so much on the show. Oh like, yeah, a, a le- uh, piles. Maybe I don't know how it's gonna play out or whatever. Yeah. But. All right, let's uh, let's get to today's guest. So you guys. Probably know her at least from this season of high stakes poker. Uh, she's been a tremendous uh, tournament player in the past. Uh, she has two million in lifetime earnings, uh, including a third at EPT San Remo for just over 500K and a fourth place finish at the PCA main event for just over 600K. Uh, she also holds the title of being the only female to have final tabled the PCA, which kind of speaks to how underrepresented uh, women are, given that the PCA has been around since 04, I think, six, something like that. Um, she's on the advisory of uh, Poker Power, which is a group formed to attempt to teach one million women one million poker. Women. Uh, and uh, finally, and- she's allegedly a Wordle guru. So we're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of uh, this Wordle strat and how she's putting up sub such big results. I'm not saying you know it's it's fixed or anything, but I'm I'm a little skeptical. Is what I'm getting at. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to the podcast Shuan Lu. Hi everyone. Hey Berkey, how's it going? Do we, do What's we, up? Do we clap? No, you can clap. Mm. Yeah. Lynn, Lynn, Lynn is gonna be the only one clapping for you. Goes <laughs> right Hi back. Everyone. On How's Toronto? Cold. Ooh, 
Um, it's great. You're not supposed to tell people I'm in Toronto, technically. It's supposed to be a surprise. Oh, no. I'm supposed to... I'm back in Canada, but I'm going to surprise my best friend for her birthday. So hopefully she's not watching this. Oh, yeah. Tell her not to watch the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she just liked my tweet, so... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Send out an emergency oh, text. Just be like, this is this is terrible. You don't want to see anything about it. No, it's just like all those technical difficulties. It's launching uh, in a week. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I, I think that's the play. Is it cold back there? I'm headed to Pittsburgh today, and I'm terrified of the weather I'm going to see. Um, it's like five degrees Celsius. What is that in Fahrenheit? Oh, uh, you got to like forty-five. I'm guessing something like that. It's not great, but it's not like freezing my butt off kind of weather either. So it's I'm, fine. I'm so incredibly embarrassed that I don't know the metric system. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it feels like such a personal shortcoming. I mean, you'll be fine. You guys live in your own insulated bubble over there. <laughs> Americans. Yeah, this is facts. All right, so uh, I guess I'm asking for myself as well as for the audience. Uh, I didn't really know you well until, I don't know, a few years ago. And then more recently, uh, we kind of have a similar group of friends. But we're not all that far apart in age. So tell me a little bit of like how you got your start um and you know when did you really start to take poker seriously wow immediately just like putting that age thing on me Whoa, um what are you, yeah, I'm i've been young. out for a long time yeah, but you're not supposed <laughs> to talk about a woman's age no i actually don't That's care crazy. at all i'm turning 37 <laughs> this year which in in like the poker world it's like dinosaur uh old right um i have been sort of traveling around like ept's and around the world playing poker since like my mid to late 20s um but i guess like that was when i was super passionate about the game when i literally like ate and breathed poker in my veins um and recently in the past few years i've slowed down quite a bit and in like the past couple of years i've sort of like rejuvenated my drive for the game um and being with an organization like poker power it's like you know, given me purpose again. It, it's really wanted me to, to like help other people um, and made the game of poker like way less selfish, selfish than it was um, from when I was like super burnt out a few years back. So uh, talk to me a little bit about the those early days, I guess. Um, you started a little bit later than the rest of us. Like I, I started firing when I was 21 on the dot. Landon was playing like, I don't know, from the womb uh <laughs> were were you just like mostly uh playing live or did you put in a lot of hours online as well um you know i know like your first recorded big caches were a lot of like ept stuff and, and traveling the circuit but like what happened to lead up to that point yeah so um during the poker boom around 2006 i was already dabbling in poker um, there's like some notable interviews out there where I'm like talking about how I used to play like poker with my stuffed animals when I was like in grade school and, and that kind of thing. So I've like always had it in my blood, but it wasn't until um, I was around, um, you know, when I was in college where the poker boom happened and um, I just saw it as like the perfect way to make supplementary income, pay off my tuition. 
Um, and I played way more poker and World of Warcraft than I did focus on my studies. So I was a terrible student, barely graduated. Um, but it wasn't until I graduated and, and it took me, you know, longer than uh, necessary to graduate on top of that. But when I finally graduated, I, I had time to play poker. Um, I was, you know, on the leaderboards on poker stars like Sit and Goes. I won Battle of the Planets. Um, when Rush Poker came out, I was one of the biggest winners um, in that game as well. So I do have like online experience when poker was really easy, not playing for like super high stakes or anything, but I definitely put in a lot of volume and um, I had some good friends who um, were already established uh, poker players at the time who like sort of encouraged me to like sell action. So I was able to travel and play those EPTs. Um, and even though I practiced awful bankroll management um, for most of my tournament career, um, I was able to like sort of leverage that into like pretty good success. Actually, last year was my only year where I didn't make a profit playing tournaments, but I only played about like 15 live tournaments. So I'm not going to be too hard on myself for that. Um, but basically every other year I've played MTTs, I've, you know, cashed at least six figures, which isn't like amazing but considering the volume i put in and that i've never really had any monetary goals or like wanted to be the best or anything like that um i'm like pretty happy with it but yeah I, yeah I, I don't i think you're selling yourself a little bit short uh <laughs> I, I don't think that they're i mean well it's easy to sell yourself short i should say like uh as you as you progress through this game and you start to surround yourself with other successful people and you see yeah. their drive and all the accolades that they're accumulating you forget that you're the one percent of one percent like you're in the top 1000 money list of all time and that may not seem like a big deal but there are hundreds of thousands of people in the hendon mob right so it's like you really are in this one percent echelon and being able to do this for a living, being able to put yourself in a situation where you're playing 200, 400 on TV with some of the best players from days of old and some of the best players from now, it's, uh, I don't even want to say it's a privilege, right? It's like an earned seat. It, it's not just something that, that kind of comes by chance, I don't think. Um, oh, it's an absolute privilege. Thank you for saying that. Um, honestly, I've always had problems with imposter syndrome. I feel like at my age now, I've gotten so much better. Um, but, you know, even in, in that high stakes poker game or a lot of the other high stakes stuff, I wouldn't have played if I didn't have, you know, people who believed in me, who like encouraged me to. Yeah, I think that's great. I, it's kind of ironic. I'm the exact opposite of you. I was <laughs> so arrogant coming up and uh just through caution to the wind for everything never had bankroll management now my imposter syndrome is through the roof like it's an <laughs> epidemic with me every single day i'm just like i don't know what i'm doing uh i it's obviously time to quit uh i don't know what the hell's going on and may as well move into to some other industry that i know nothing about how, how does that right. look like for you because i remember watching you in all the ept streams and, and things like that and then you kind of just faded for a while and i was like pretty excited to watch you on high stakes poker and then when you played i was like i was texting the group i was like wow she plays pretty well so i was like a little bit surprised because you were playing like more modern day strategy than someone that like i don't know if you retired or or, or not but you were definitely away from the game for a while you came back playing relatively well so like 
how did that retirement or or time away like what were you doing and then what are you doing now to like kind of keep up because it seems like you played real, like pretty well thank you so much for saying that that's super sweet um Honestly, I, I did quit for a bit, but during the time when I quit, I felt like I was at the top of my game. And I learned mostly through osmosis, and I'm so blessed that like I've always just like been surrounded by some of the best players in the world. Um, I'm like generally a pretty private person. I don't like to talk about you know who I'm like dating and things like that. But um, I'm not sure how many people know, but I was like kind of involved in like the super high roller scene for a while and even though like obviously I wasn't playing um but you know I was like pretty on top of like who the best players were and and things that they were doing and just like kind of naturally learned a lot from just being around those people and observing um and you know I I had poker students too like even though I mostly teach like beginner women these days if I have time to um you know, I, I run some sometimes mostly for other people. Um, and when I have like, like hard press questions myself, but um, I generally, and you, obviously, like when you guys put out content, when anybody else does that, where a super interesting hand comes up, I'll, I'll like watch it, even though I'm like not a huge fan of poker content overall, like I think you guys do great stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I can't say I'm like the most studious person, but I, I feel like I've generally just like tried to be on top of where the game is. And I'm like, just, I feel like I'm a pretty good balance between like a analytical thinker as well as like um, knowing like what people are doing psychologically as well. Like the most politically correct way of saying, I'm just talented. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just talented, osmosis. <laughs> I, I do think that like, uh, to Christian's point, it, it was it was pretty clear that you were comfortable in in the arena that you were in uh, during high stakes poker, uh, and I think there were a couple examples of that. The bluff that you ran against Antonius, uh, I thought exemplified that pretty well. Um, you know, I, I I come from the old guard too, and had to kind of like learn modern day strategy. So finding these unique spots to river over bet. Uh, as a bluff, uh, and then also like understanding how your range is constructed there versus his, especially in a weird dynamic. Uh, so for anybody who didn't see the hand, uh, Schwan three bet and Antonius like cold called from the smaller big blind or something of that nature. So it's already like this kid. weird setup. Uh, I guess, can you talk about like that moment? Um, Mains, mainly more so to the aspect of like being under the bright lights and being in this situation to potentially run uh, an expensive bluff. Were, were there any nerves there? Um, honestly, at the time, I was just thinking in terms of big blinds. That was actually the very first hand of the show. I know they like edited a bunch, but it was actually the first hand. And I was honestly just so happy to be here. My first hand against Patrick. Obviously, you know, I'm never winning on that river in that situation when he checks. Um, and I think because he didn't really know who I was, I could get away with a lot and it would be egregious if I didn't bet here. Um, it was just like a matter of like the amount. And I know he's most likely to think that the matter means, sorry, that the money means a lot to me. Um, and so I think in that situation, even if he had like a much stronger holding than he actually did, he, he would be able to like overfold a decent amount of time. God, this so is like such, 
This is such a live combo. I love it so much. Like, <laughs> it's such a breath of fresh air to get away from. Uh, well, you know, in theory, we 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 would only be betting like pot here because pot and a half puts us in a weird spot whenever he shoves it. It's, whatever, like, yeah, yeah, you just have an image, and like Patrick is clearly overfolding in a lot of spots from the hands that I saw. Like, he's very much a feel guy too. So he's trying mm -hmm. to to kind of read the room a bit and decipher what the hell's going on and. In that particular moment, I don't remember the exact sizing, but like 25,000 or 30,000, whatever the case may be, that's a lot of money. And he recognizes that. And, you know, maybe he did his research on you, maybe he didn't. But like, even if he did, he's going to find that you're an MTT player and there are certain stigmas that are attached to that. So it's like, I love the idea of knowing in theory that this is like a correct spot to bluff, but then choosing your sizing exploitatively based on the psychology and the meta that's at place, uh, particularly in a scenario where it's like, you recognize there's a threshold for where he might begin to just start to overfold a lot. Definitely. Yeah, you hit the nail on the, the you hit the hammer on the nail. Yeah, we, we have, we do I, the, I need yeah. to teach a class on idioms. <laughs> yeah. that, that's it, that's we'll it. Those, I, I'm, I found my new calling. It's, <laughs> we're switching to idiom training. No, I can't, I can't do it. Uh, is Patrick as pretty in real life as as he appears on TV? That's that's as what everybody. As pretty wants. is that the question you asked? Yeah, of course. <laughs> he is a handsome man. Um, definitely, if not even more. Um, you know, Patrick is definitely the whole package. He's such a nice guy. He's hilarious. Obviously, he's he's very good looking, and he's a guy with a lot of um, like ethics and just stand up guy. You know. Yeah, he's he's one of the guys from the old guard that uh, I hope to see in the public sphere a little bit more. He was always like pretty quiet and reserved, I think. But uh, I agree with you. All my interactions with him, um, he seems to be the type of person that we should value a lot in this community. Uh, he seems to have the right sort of outlook, big picture. Um, and I know that he's working on some things too. Uh, I actually had a meeting with him and Michael Acevato uh, not that long back. Really interesting platform that they're building with. I think it's Flops. Um, yeah, flop, not Floptimo. Yeah. The other one. <laughs> not Floptimo, but Flops. Yeah. Um, man, I just completely lost my train of thought where I was going with that. But uh, I guess the, the next follow-up I have to that then is uh, given that you do have experience in playing these live uh, high-state cash games. I, I believe you played in the WPT uh, cash game recently also that hasn't aired yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's so, super fun as well with Phil Helmuth Compare Jamie. Compare that experience to high-stakes poker, which is like believed to be a bit of the mecca. It has this like certain allure to it. You know, that's, this is the show that all of us grew up on. And, uh, you know, personally speaking, I'm just a little jealous. I'd like to... <laughs> To get in those streets a little bit, so I, you know, I'm, I'm the fan now. Like, tell, tell me what it was like. What was the set like? What was the experience like? The players, things of that nature. Berkey, weren't you in the lineup? Did no. they ban you from playing because you're too good? Please, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm like the biggest loser on live streams of all time. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, I'm super blessed again. WPT has been inviting me to play a bunch of um, these live cash games, and honestly, last year I would say like. 30% of my like live poker hours were in this like esports home game that was, you know, just like a really basic two five game with a bunch of friends. Um, and 
the majority of it was like stream games, which not saying I played a ton of stream games, but I don't think I had a single losing session. I'm just on like such a heater right now. Like I, I and okay, minus the actually I won't give spoilers, but um I did lose in one session. But anyway, I'm still on a crazy heater, and I think it's because I just like care so much less. Like because I'm I, I have like a regular basically full-time job um I can kind of just play poker the way I want to play and not worry about like losing all the money um which is like kind of my mentality when I first started playing EPTs and stuff right like at the time I was playing beyond my bankroll but for me it was like my mom gave me one year to like travel to Europe even if I like didn't make anything of myself or like have any tournament results I would have had this amazing year abroad um, and that's how I feel now about poker, right? I'm just going to take my shots um, and hope for the best kind of thing. And um, I think I was also able to, like, run a lot of, like, live explorative stuff because people had no idea where, like, um, like my thought process and the basically level of my strategy at this time because I've been out of the scene for a while. Um, but obviously, as these shows get to air, like, I'll definitely have to adjust and like yeah, you ain't fooling anybody anymore. To, like, you ain't fooling yeah, anybody anymore. I'm like, oh, this girl's good. <laughs> <laughs> so you're taking yeah, the streets. So we'll we're we're all about the street poker here. This is this is what we live for. Uh, so you kind of mentioned that you you were pretty comfortable in that space and you don't care that much, or at least you uh, have security enough to where the money isn't the most important thing and that makes you more comfortable. Does that make yeah your experience on like high stakes poker more of a di just another day at the office or is like there's some sort of attachment to the fact that it is uh this iconic show oh it's so iconic um honestly like all the people there are super professional like once they like the cameras get rolling like it's an experience like no other um again like i went into the day being like I don't even really care if I get stacked a million times. Obviously, it wouldn't be great for the people who bought my action. But um, honestly, it was like a thing to check off the bucket list, just being there. Yeah. I'm going to get that check mark someday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a clip of uh, the not-so-fun hand that you played against Jennifer Tilly. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to bring this up because... Again, I think it's a spot where it's pretty clear that you're studied. Uh, I think a lot of live players would have had a funeral for their hand, given the action that took place. Can you walk us through a little bit of, of your thoughts uh, with, with the way that this hand played out? Yeah, sorry. I fiddled with the screen. Okay. Um, this hand, I have ace queen. I open against the straddle. Don't, I think everybody folds except Jennifer. Um, she's in the small blind. She calls pretty standard with King Jack suited. She can obviously three bet here with this hand as well. Um, it gets heads up, I believe. Yep. So 6,600 in the pot. I flop top two. I'm in heaven. Um, she checks. Obviously, I'm going to put in a pretty small C bet here. I have all the cards. There's a flush draw, so still not value. Um, so she calls the bet with her gut shot and backdoor royal draw, which is obviously pretty standard as well. Um, 
the pot is 13, six, turn is a six, bring the trips. I actually think um, if Jennifer was to do something again, her thought process is probably that it's my first time on the show. She's way richer than I am. She came with, you know, <laughs> many, many buy-ins. I'm not sure if she like saw me on the phone being like, hey, if I bust this on to my backers, you know, do you have like more flags for me or something like that? Right, right. Um, so she she's, you know, definitely wants to put pressure on me. I think that's like not the worst card for her to represent. Although I'm not exactly sure how many sixes she would be actually flatting with in this spot. So obviously her story is not very credible. Um, I have the utmost respect for her. I think she's by far the best player you can have for like she's a game gangster. on a show like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, she checked raising me with her like butterfly diamonds ring that's probably worth like $200,000 or something. Um, but honestly, I think she's like basically full of shit on this, in this spot. I yeah. think she might have like a spades at some point. Um, not very many sixes again. Um, so I'll, I'm just going to call there and uh, hoping to take down a big pot on the river. When this river comes out, her demeanor kind of changes and immediately I'm like, uh, like, this is kind of weird, but obviously I'm never thinking about folding. Um, I make the call. I don't even put in the correct amount of chips, just expecting to take the pot in, but I'm a little surprised here. But, you know, I'm like, wow, this game is amazing. I immediately <laughs> type to my backers, like, hey, make sure you have those extra buy-ins. Oh, man. <laughs> That's me every time I lose a hand uh, <laughs> that I feel like I got I, I got got on in a spot like mm -hmm. where it's just like we're making infinite money here and we get right. unlucky. I just like always have to snap justify it if if somebody has a piece. It's just like, man, I got to tell you, you have no idea how good you're getting money in, but we're buried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. That's um, and like. Honestly, guys, the game was so good that Durr made us all pitch in like $400 for like almost four grand total. So the dealers would stay one more hour for us to play. That's incredible. <laughs> and also genius. <laughs> yeah. Like, super, super, super sharp. Um, yeah, I thought uh, really I was most impressed by the river play. Um, not because it's a difficult decision or anything of that nature, but but more so just... You didn't take much time at all to just be like, I don't think I can fold my hand and put it in where we're so accustomed to seeing like these long tanks and I'm guilty of it too in bluff catching spots versus people that I don't think are bluff bluffing enough uh, where you just have this long funeral for a hand that's never, ever, ever folding. And uh, I think like as a viewer, that's greatly appreciated. But in the future, if you really want to help that image of yours, maybe take 45 seconds to really bemoan how unlucky you are in that spot. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Thank you for the tip. Uh, so you do have the, the poker power background. Uh, you've been working with them for a while now. Um, tell us a little bit about your role with them and uh, maybe a brief origin story of, of how they came to be and how you guys uh, got linked up to become an ambassador and a... Uh, an instructor for them. Awesome. So um, Jenny Just, she is one of the the only female self-made billionaires in the world. Um, she is our founder. Uh, she actually came up with the idea behind Poker Power um, after she watched her daughter play tennis one day and realized 
um, with her husband, who's also a poker player. He plays like the WSOP main every year, I believe, um, that they really needed to teach her some lessons on like tilt management. And so they were like, how can we teach her that? We got to teach her how to play poker. Um, and so they were, they just started, it's kind of a pet project of hers. She's like still very much involved. You know, obviously she has like a ton of incredible companies. She's based out of Chicago. Um, but she put, she's putting in a ton of resources just to get female into the game. She knows it's good for finance. You know, that's her background in trading. Um, and so Erin, um, Leiden, she's our amazing, um, uh, managing director she's you know worked in esports before she's done startups and she also has a finance background so even though they didn't technically have a direct background in poker um they understand the world of male dominated industries um that are very strategic and and numbers based right so they're throwing a ton of resources and they want to change basically the face of the entire industry not just the poker landscape but also you know the travel industry they think if they can get more females um interested in poker they can change where vacation decisions are being made um they can change you know like how poker rooms and casinos um, and all of these venues look just to be more female friendly. And so they're dreaming very, very big. And right now the pursuit is to get 1 million women how to play poker. Um, in the year and a half, I believe that we've been in an existence. I've only been with them for about a year. Um, but they've been able to partner with amazing MBA programs. Um, we've worked with the Wharton School. We work with, you know, tons of law firms, financial firms all around the U.S. and all around the world. Um, I believe we, we sponsor like a female soccer team and like Monaco. Um, so they are incredible at the BD aspect. They are incredible at, um, you know, um, we also have a financial literacy app, Zogo, that's focused on teaching young people um, uh, math and um, accounting skills. And we are sort of attaching uh, poker as also like a valuable skill they can learn on top of those things they're already learning. Um, and so it's for for them, poker power isn't just like, you know, we're now endemic in the poker space and, um, you know, we want to attach to like a poker brand or like an online poker site or something and get more players that way. It's they're th thinking so much bigger than that. Um, and that's what really excites me uh, because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but after being in the poker world for a long time, you really start to feel like, you know, you're too, you become way too familiar with this like tiny world and bubble that you, we live in. And like we kind of forget that like there's so much more out there. Right. Um, and I feel super privileged. I originally came on um, with the company as like instructor, quickly moved into like a consultant role. And once they started the advisory board, um, became a member of that as well. Um, I wish I had so many more hours in a day to help Poker Power um, grow at this point of time because they have not only just like the core Poker Power um, community behind them, they also have like the the um, the peak six resources as well, which includes, you know, PR people like 
marketing, accounting, all that kind of stuff. So um, my role right now is mostly like on the advisory board um, and helping them with like more endemic problems, um, I would say. But yeah, it's they've honestly helped my personal growth um, and career growth as much as I've helped them, I feel, in the past couple of years. Yeah, honestly, it sounds like such a fantastic organization, like way beyond the the poker landscape. I'm interested in so much of the stuff that uh, you just mentioned, specifically the the app that is utilized for uh, instruction purposes of like financial advising, uh, understanding the underlying math of all these things. This is something that like, uh, again, I'm self-taught a lot in these areas where I learned the hard way, but uh, having a nephew who's 22, being surrounded by people in that age bracket like Landon um, and just even have having like come up in this community where you just see so many of the pitfalls come to fruition. And also being from a small town where everybody's very traditional and they think in terms of working towards retirement and, you know, they're never really well off and never really all that stable. I am so all in on reshaping the way that this is taught and learned at a young age. Um, I think logic problems and, uh, you know, teaching, like these are the basic skills necessary to navigate life, not not so much social studies and, uh, you know, a lot of well, other. don't knock on social studies. That's important too. Uh, it, it is, it is. But I'm saying like, uh, I'm not saying one or the other. I'm just saying it's mm -hmm. insane to me that something like that exists and uh, logic courses don't when we're looking at, at like early education. Sure. Agree. Um, she didn't like that, bro. <laughs> she was like, sure. Mm -hmm. Social studies. Bro. <laughs> well, social studies for us is, uh, I, I'm sure it, it varies a lot by country, but like in America, it's just basically uh, a, a course trumpeting like how great we are as a nation and like what we've done to get to this point. You know, it's, it's a lot less of uh, what I think it's intended to be. At least that was my experience growing up in high school. That's fair. I, I mean, I went to college for social development studies, oh, and that's geez. what I was always interested in. So, yeah, that, that's fair. <laughs> that's, you can't is... ignore the history and the psychology and the social sciences. Tell them, tell them. That that is, uh, I, I feel like it's very reflective of Canadian culture. Like, uh, it's such a melting pot, especially to, to, is mm -hmm. Toronto like where you're originally from? Um, I was born in China. I moved to Toronto when I was about five, but yeah, it's it's my main home. That's home. Yeah. Um, yeah, we actually kind of uh, frequented the same casinos just at different times. Like I went to college in Erie, PA, so I spent a lot of time at Fallsview. And I know that was like oh. one of the first areas you started grinding uh, MTTs. Mm -hmm. uh, I was there for the Not very first MTTs, day. cash games. No limit cash games. Didn't you win? I, I played the... a lot of 5-5 five five at the time. Didn't you win an event there? Oh yeah, but that was like a few years oh, ago. But that's like on the that's... side, you know. Like that's just <laughs> yeah. that was nothing. Like... What what years were you playing cash there? When I was like twenty two to like twenty five, I was playing a lot of cash games there. Okay, when I was yeah. in college. So yeah. we probably like just missed you. The very first ten k there, I think, was in oh six. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe I played in that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I remember I remember going there and. John Raisner was there, who was like really hot on the scene at that point. Um, and then, you know, the usual people from the 10 guys. But it took us like four hours to get over the border because there was five of us, uh, actually maybe four of us. It was myself, Brent Hanks, Brian, who's here with me, 
um, and another one of our friends from college, uh, Greg, and we were all planning on playing. So we have like 50 or 60K collectively in the car <laughs> and we're trying to cross the Canadian border and they're just like, what, what kind of drugs are you guys selling? Like, <laughs> what, what's going on here? And we're just in the interrogation room forever. Like customs was always such a big deal. Uh, it, was, it was such a nightmare to get over. Yeah, it was always an issue. We were like, do we, do we tell them we're professional poker players? Do they even know what that is? Right. At the time, it was just nobody did that. so They, they weren't buying it, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> um, doubling down, I guess, a little bit on your role in Poker Power and uh, or I guess maybe zooming in a little bit to how it actually applies to the, to the current landscape. Uh, females are obviously massively over or under, <laughs> underrepresented in this community. <laughs> Um, but I guess like, talk to me a little bit about what your experience has been, uh, a little bit under the microscope, mainly with these live streams and things of that nature. And then as a follow up, you know, we kind of had a, a long discussion about this yesterday, but what responsibility, if any, do you think that these programs have towards portraying women in, uh, I guess, I don't know if a respectful way is the right right terminology but more so like highlighting their skill rather than uh the, the other traits that they may possess that are marketable there's a lot there um i caught your last episode with melissa i thought there was some really good insights um i really liked her perspective of like if you adjust your framework and see it as like a reality show like you really don't owe the players anything right um ultimately you're there for your ratings and to get the viewers to come back and whatnot and that's completely fair um people are going to watch for different reasons so what if some percentage are there to watch because there's cleavage like i'm not going to knock those people honestly i might be more convinced to watch something if there were you know more attractive people i'm not going to lie um obviously the big names are also going to have a draw but like it's just not realistic to constantly if you have a show that's on you know so many days a week to like be paying for the bigger names to be there um having said that being a female in the space and working for the organization that i work for and you know having um experienced a lot of the misogyny if not personally then like with you know, maybe my students, my friends, um, people I look up to. Um, it's definitely a problem. And if we want the industry to grow and become more equalized in the future, it's so important for everybody to like think of the greater good um, and not be a dick and attract like newcomers by making them feel welcome, right? And most of those newcomers are gonna be female. Um, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Um, being a girl in the industry, we benefit, you know, by um, having certain doors open to us at the right times into the community. But at the same time, you know, especially if you're like a young, attractive female, like you're always also kind of thinking like, is this person actually trying to help me and looking out for me? Are they my friend or are they just trying to fuck me? Like you know, having that like extra level of concern um, can also like mess a lot with your dynamics, your friendships and things like that. Um, so going back to your question, I don't think the show owes players, if, you know, as long as they're not going like out of their way. Like 
I don't know if you guys remember, I like was on this reality show with like a bunch of girls called Girl yeah. Got Game. <laughs> Nothing ever happened of it, but like we like shortly after we got there, we realized it wasn't going to be like the, you know, female empowered TV show that we thought it was going to be. It was like, hey, can you guys like face this angle so you have and like maybe pull down your shirt a little bit more and, you know, like that kind of stuff happens a lot, right? And so every female in this industry, like, basically at every decision point, they have to decide, do I want to exploit, you know, my femaleness or whatever, put on more makeup, show more tits, or do I want to study the game? And so often, unfortunately, like, you know, the first option, like, you might see like a greater ROI doing that just by like being affiliated with the right people um, getting in those circles because they think they have a chance with you or whatever. And that kind of takes away from like studying and like actually working on your craft. Okay. So, so like guys don't really have that problem. I know it's like, again, it's a double-edged sword. I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just different. Um, And I think that's honestly one of the problems sorry, one of the reasons why you don't see more females at the top of the, at the higher echelons of the game. Um, not to say that, like, women just get the fuck out, like, at a certain point. Maybe, you know, maybe they find a partner and they may get married and have kids. Okay, that's one reason to get out. But a lot of the other reasons are maybe they're just sick of taking shit from guys, right? Um maybe they went broke and you know no one wants to help them because they didn't like form the networks that they needed to like sustain their longevity in the industry again there's just so many more variables where things can go wrong to like you know like because if you think of it think of like the female notable players you knew from like 2006 how many are still in the industry today really not that many right yeah i mean really Almost none full time. Literally just Chrissy B. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Like I met Chrissy at Turning Stone in like 03. So she's mm-hmm. been on this grind since since the boom. Um, but even even she's like cut her volume way back. Uh, right. I just think it becomes difficult. Like Chrissy's definitely in a position where uh, she has garnered respect. And I think mm-hmm. that that's largely a byproduct of results. Um, but like we were comparing her to Vanessa yesterday and Vanessa certainly doesn't get the same. She's, she's a lot more polarizing. I, I would say. Are you talking about Vanessa Cade? Oh, oh, sorry. No, uh, Vanessa Selps. Okay. Um, so like Selps was a lot more polarizing of a figure and, you know, I've spoke with her a lot about this, uh, just like one-on-one and, uh, we interviewed her for our documentary as well. And she kind of just said like, at some point it weighs on you to a, to a degree where you don't want to do this anymore. And mm-hmm. I, I can understand that from the vantage point of being a little bit more polarizing myself, but not to the degree of the way a woman would face it, right? Because the scrutiny is so different. You're not, like you're immediately dismissed from a skill standpoint. And now a lot of the scrutiny gets focused on things that literally have nothing to do with poker, like your social life or your appearance or, uh, who you know, dating, yeah, who you're dating, yeah. um, and everything in between. Uh, and I was kind of like drawing a, a reference to, um, 
how it's just a defaulted thought that if you're playing high stakes, uh, your skill is secondary to how you got there, right? Like nobody gives the benefit of the doubt to a woman that she's grinded her way up to the nosebleeds. And it's always like who helped fast track you and what did you have to exchange for? Yeah, and they never ask the question when a guy shows up like in a high stakes scene, right? Like Landon, how did you fast track your way into this community? Right. Like whose dick did you suck to get here, Landon? You know, like that's never, that's never a thing. And, uh, it's, I, I don't know how to, uh, I'm not a woman. So like, I don't know how prevalent this is outside of the male dominated industry, but my instincts tell me that this is a tale as old as time. Right. It's the secretary sleeping with her boss to get a, a pay raise or an advancement in a company. Like, I'm sure uh, that there aren't very many, if any at all, self made females who don't feel this sort of slight where they're never actually getting the credit that they deserve for the accomplishments that they have. Billionaire. Talk about. Yeah, she's, she's validated with money, but like I'm sure that there's a lot of detractors and there were a lot of detractors along the way yeah. who tried to kind of undercut her or or suppress her and say that you're you're only ahead because of X Y or Z. Mhm. Mm there should be a question there, but uh it's <laughs> it's kind of just a statement. Uh so one last thing to to kind of wrap on uh with this subject of women in poker. Um as far as Moving forward, do you think that there's anything like obviously Poker Power is trying to do a lot of heavy lifting, um, but I kind of want to put the emphasis to like the top, right? Uh, where I think that their their mission is to kind of like introduce poker to a lot of women and see what comes of that. Do you think that there's any leveling factor uh, that can take place that will allow us to get more females into this upper echelon? Uh, be it the high roller scene or live stream cash games, uh, high stakes, no limit, wh whatever the case may be. Like, what is that barrier right now that's preventing us from seeing uh, a, a more reasonable ratio? You know, I honestly think it's slightly getting better year after year. Um, I think some of the operators are finally getting like a wake up call with. Um, like all the females and all the organizations, not just Poker Power, um, who've been vocal about um, the the um, imbalance over the years. Um, I know for a fact, because working closely with the WPT, that they're starting some incredible initiatives um, for female organizations. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't necessarily think like having more females on like a show like high stakes poker or like playing nosebleeds is really the best indicator as to like things becoming more equal. Um, I actually think it should start from the very bottom, more grassroots and just like, and once that happens, like there will be a natural progression of women who want to rise to the top. Um, honestly, I, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I agree with you. I think that's true. Uh, I guess the reason why I put that heightened focus on uh, those specific arenas is because of how amplified those females become. So mm -hmm. uh, at least in my view, uh, if I were an ups uh, a woman getting into the game who's looking to progress, I don't know who I would look up to necessarily. 
And I think that that's a kind of a byproduct of us not turning a lot of attention to uh, females who are in this high stakes arena. Mm -hmm. I think fundamentally women and men may play poker for different reasons. Like again, um, even when I was at the top of my game, my goal was never really to be the best. It was more about, you know, um, having freedom to like travel, having, you know, financial freedom to do the things that I want to do. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if for more women it was like that. Whereas like, I think for a lot of guys, it becomes more of like an ego pursuit, sure. um, wanting to rise to the top and beat their peers and things like that, which is why I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, even if the imbalance gets a little better, um, you'll still have the vast majority of female players who are making a living from poker, you know, at the mid stakes, like just enough to get by that, you know, yeah. they don't have to work a nine to five or things like that or something like that. Yeah, kind of like as a, a springboard into something better, something more free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, going to turn it over to the boys. Any of you have any questions for Miss Lou? I want to hear more about her uh, Wordle strategy. <laughs> I heard you're uh, a Wordle master. She, she's no, grinding honestly, To be honest, I've sort of fallen off the Wordle train a little bit um these days the only times i play are like when i'm kind of drunk or you know when it just happens to be right past midnight your win rate had to go down um, since you started playing drunk right <laughs> in the beginning i was super into it you're right um my friend brada got me into it she was like uh creating algorithms for like best word all like turn one words turn two words and so um really got me going as well um even though after consulting with her i know what the best starting words are i don't like to live my life like that so i just kind of like to look around me and put in like a, a related word like today i might use the word like poker or like i don't know um like if I just came home from a club i might use the word dance like just like it doesn't even have to make sense i yeah. just I kind of like you that. Know. Like my girlfriend, she looked up the, uh, you know, the best wordle words, and she's like, "Oh, here's the best starting words." And I'm like, "I don't want to know them. I don't want to like because it's like that feels like cheating to me." Because I'm like, "Oh, yeah. well, now if I just know that that like I want to try to come up with those words myself." Shawan, you you yeah. and I are very much the same. Uh, I do have a default word that I use, which is raise. No shock. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but uh, I I give in to whims, so. If, mm -hmm. if my mind is blank, I go with raise. But if I'm inspired by literally anything that's a five-letter word, that's the word I go with. Uh, I remember yeah. there was one day that I ended up getting a two just because of the, the, uh, the letters that were chosen. And I happened to be watching Cobra Kai. So Cobra was the, the word that I used. Nice. And it got me like four out of the five letters. I, I like that. What was the word? I don't recall. It was it was literally like you know, day four three of me the playing five Wordle. words and you don't recall. <laughs> yeah, he got he gets a two and forgets. Uh huh. I think I like using different words. I, I usually just use uh, I use rates. That's my that's my starting word. But I think I like the idea of using a different word, like something that's on your mind, because yeah. it, it switches it up. You yeah, know, because yeah. it like it seems like it it it's pretty easy. I'm not saying the it like if. Right. I've, I've, I've been playing for two months. I missed one word, and that was subtle brag. Because just because um, 
Like you get in a situation where you get the the last four letters, you get, and, then, yeah. and then there's so many options. And if you're just unlucky, then what can you do? We can get yeah, you back I'm... in the street, Schwan. <laughs> Have you played Quirtle? Well, I, I realized people started to get really annoyed. Like the <laughs> the second weekend when I, where I was posting my wordos, I had to like attach selfies to them. Like, I like social media sometimes, but not enough to, like, have to, like, plan these things ahead of time, you know? You, you so know, first stopped. of all, you could just get into a group chat. That's for sure the play. That's the only place that I, I post my scores. But have you played Quirtle yet? I I have not. I know oh. everybody else posts it, but... This I is know. the one for you. There is strat to this. I went deep into a, a Quirtle thread, and it revamped my whole strategy, and I went from averaging like an eight and a half to averaging like a, a pure seven. It's really incredible how much, uh, how much like some logic and, and rationality like goes a long way in these things. I feel like if I were to start posting my quirtles, I'd have to like attach at least two selfies. Yeah, no, this post. is facts. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right, I'm going to end on uh, the story of the first time that I technically met you. I don't even know if you're going to remember this. Uh, but it was for a live streamed mafia game during the pandemic. Oh, was that the first time we met? Really? I think so. Okay. That I'm Did aware I of kill anyway. you? Wait, what? Did I murder you? No, but <laughs> indirectly bad? you led to, to me not only getting murdered, but I was pretty confident everyone in the group hated my guts. <laughs> uh, was I right? Well, no, I was a villager, of course. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but it was like, it was Olivier's first time playing ever. And okay. the group was like you, Greg Shahade, Rada. Uh, I think Kerstetter was in there, uh, Olivier, myself, um, and maybe one or two other people. But I didn't realize like how tight knit this group was and how much of an outsider I was. I thought like, you know, just a collection of like poker players and, and influencers or whatever getting together to play Mafia. So I went in there with my usual strat of kill the quiet people because you're useless to us. <laughs> and everybody very quickly was kind of like, Schwan is very quiet, but she's good at this game. Like she wins a lot. I was like, kill her. We got to kill her. <laughs> we have to kill her immediately. And everyone just snap turned on me. I remember yeah. Olivier like having this big diatribe about like what an asshole strategy it was <laughs> and that he doesn't like when people play games this way. <laughs> I'm just like, well, I guess that's that. We're we're gonna be off the mafia train real fast. I was positive it you weren't a big like, fan. It, it sounds like, like, like Liv was bad though, because I was, feel like he would have piggybacked with you if he was good. Yeah, I agree. Well, that was the well. He became my next target immediately. I was like, he's new. Kill him. He's useless to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went pretty deep during the pandemic. We would play like hours and hours every day like there was just nothing else yeah i was i was a big fan of werewolf when i first started playing um but i i lost the fire for it very quick it's i can't i i can't like wrap my head around the amount of deception necessary to to be good at that all the time especially like with the same group because your strat just has to keep evolving as they get to know you better and better agree completely yeah some people from the group still take it very, very seriously. I, I can't anymore. Like, uh, I'll be, like, only half paying attention a lot of the time, and it's generally not as fun like that. But it takes a lot of energy if you want to be good and on yeah. point. 
lot of brain power. I was so nervous the first time I played. It was at PCA and there was like a 50 person group. And <laughs> part of the group was like Grafton and McKeon who are the loudest humans on the planet <laughs> and are good at strategy games. So I'm just like shell-shocked by what's going on. <laughs> and they're just screaming to get me out because I'm good at bluffing and they can't trust me. I'm just like, what? What's? I die and it's like a three-hour wait to get back in. <laughs> it's like, this is a terrible game. But then I won Damn. the second game and I was hooked for life. <laughs> that's how they get you. That is, 50 players, that's a lot. It was a lot. I mean, it was the like entire 30. lobby. It was wild. Mm-hmm. Those are like the best times though, I find. It was fun. It was more socialness than uh, I can generally handle, but but that was a good time. Any excuse to be loud, I'm I'm in. Mm-hmm. You're doing great, Bricky. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really appreciate your insight on all things high stakes and uh, outside of that. Uh, if ever there's anything we can do for Poker Power, I, I meant to say this whenever you were talking about it, but it slipped my mind. Uh, if there's anything we can do, I would love to contribute. Um, whether it's, it's yeah, whether it's like offering free subscription or like if we can do anything else, bigger picture, uh, happy to do it. Um, I think what you guys are doing is super awesome. And honestly, like I didn't know enough. So I feel like if I don't know enough, even if we can just like amplify the message more, uh, I, I'm all for it. Sweet. That's super kind of you. Um, yeah, I'm happy to send an intro to, to Aaron. Cool. That'd be great. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Schwan Lu. Yay. Thanks, Shuan. everyone. Thanks, guys. Super See you later. Fun. I should have, like, sit in front of a class. And sit in front of a class. I'm not the president. Read social studies. I, I know where you're going. Just read social <laughs> studies. Guys, Florida is the first state pass a make it that financial literacy is needed to graduate really just 20 minutes ago this is also the same state that just oh, passed a law that said you're not allowed to say you gay hate florida. <laughs> that state you hate florida dude. incredible yeah. how on earth can you have those two things passed at the same time in the same state what a remarkable world we live in great bunch god best florida speaking of laws passing uh no, or, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, come on. Our law's not passing, you mean? Yeah, rumor is that uh, I'm not getting my, my daylight savings. That's, well, I didn't technically say that. So last week you were so sure that, you know, okay, yes. I was excited, is, not you sure. Were, you were excited and I pointed out that, hey, it still has to pass the house and it still has to get signed by the president before it becomes law. And uh, you're like, well, you know, they, they passed it unanimous consent. Like, but I read a little bit more into it, and apparently, um, it was a fluke that it got passed that way. Usually, uh, when they do these kind of things, every senator gets notified that they're going to try to pass something with unanimous consent, and then someone objects, and then they have to go through the, through the whole voting process, and it's a mess. But for some reason, this one slipped through the cracks. And there was like nobody there to that, you know, was against it to object and it went through. So we don't know exactly what the uh, what the support in the house is. And if it, you know, with the way the house is divided, it's razor thin. So if just a few, uh, you know, Democrats are against it, it's not going to pass. I don't even know if Pelosi is going to even bring it up. So it's what you're might- saying is Democrats hate sunshine. 
Not saying that's that. what you just said. <laughs> Democrats hate sunshine. Damn. God. On, on, on the first day of spring, too. Unbelievable. Jeez, this is unbelievable. Yeah. But who knows? It could pass. It could just go through, and then boom, Biden signs it, and we're good. But At we're, some we're, point. We're I'm thinking that the way that our government and Congress works, that we're never going to see this come to pass. It's 2022. At some point, they have to acknowledge that it's silly to change the goddamn clock. Yeah, but, you know, people have different perspectives, right? A lot of people that have kids would, would rather have it the other way, right? They would rather You're have never it. having kids, you said. I, I'm not, but that's me. But there are other why, people. Why that, would they rather have it the other way? Because because like people would prefer because of the bus stops. Yeah, well that's part of it. But like people like you know kids like they might want like it to be lighter in the morning than at night. Like Put their ass people, to bed sooner. The kids get up earlier, right? And they go to bed. They go to bed earlier. So this, that this is the worst argument I've ever heard. Oh. <laughs> I'm not argument. arguing for I'm taking no, how I, people No, I understand. It's, right. it's this just, is a Floridian argument. It's just ridiculous. Why we're is it ridiculous? Because we're talking about uh, the sun rising at 645 or 745, and then we're talking about the sun setting at 445 or 545. Yeah. It has literally nothing to do with their sleeping patterns. It has absolutely nothing to do with their safety or anything else. All it does is ensure that they have one hour less of sunshine after fucking school. So you want to help the kids get their asses outside for that extra hour whenever yeah. they actually have time to enjoy it. They're not doing anything between 6.45 and 7.45. I'm not arguing with it, man. I'm on your side here. I, listen, I just, I, it's I'm just the fucking Democrats, obviously. It's, it's they hate the sunshine. Be. I know. They really sunshine do. Sunshine state. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, need sunshine, though, if you're going to power the solar panels. So I don't know how this is going to work. It's all a goddamn catch-22. <laughs> Nobody knows what's going on anymore. All right. Uh, I got a couple of things to wrap on. I'm headed to Pittsburgh immediately after this podcast. So you guys will see me here. We're actually going to do this show live for the next three days. Uh, it's going to be at <laughs> 1 p.m. Pacific, yes. 4 p.m. Eastern for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm going to be calling in from Pittsburgh right after the podcast. It's going to jump straight into my stream. So be sure to stick around uh, and hang out with me. While I power through some of this uh, MGM or BetMGM series that I'll be playing in, Poker Mania. Uh, we have a 100K guarantee 1K on Sunday, uh, as well as a 32 man heads up tournament that I believe I'll be playing on Thursday. Uh, I am going to be giving away a ton of stuff, including $55 phase tickets to the main event. And allegedly, 5% uh, of my main event action is going to be on the block for you guys to win. Conrad, you're going to be modding this for me? Is that, is that a fact? I'm giving away 7%, but Ooh, I got you on I'm modding it. I, have to, I need a little extra, you know? I need a little extra to give away to the people if I'm going to be here yeah. for this, you know? You, you chill the fuck out, man. <laughs> I got you on the payroll, uh, and we're, we're going to make sure that this goes over well. So, Lastly, good. So live? Live. Yes. We got to do it live. I get to say whatever. <laughs> Yeah, we managed to do four shows with only one. I don't think one. that's how live works. <laughs> you don't get to say whatever you I mean, you want it is if he wants live. to ruin us. How about these yeah. new water bottles? Aren't these fire? Wow. You can get these new Solve for Y water bottles in the merch store. That's right. Just go ahead and head to, what is it, merch? It's academy.solvefory.io. No, that's for the academy. <laughs> no, but we oh, have the merch store is, is also part of that. Merch Speaking of the academy, we are running uh, a Poker Out Loud version of the academy, as I've mentioned many times before. 
That will take place between April 27th and April 30th. We do have one seat remaining. If that seat is to fill, we're going to open up a second group of nine uh, that will be the 26th through the 29th. So basically, we're just going to alternate the groups each day between play and study. Um, just to give a little bit of a breakdown of what you guys can expect, day one is going to be game theory principles. So we'll be talking a lot of EV, equity, position, uh, all of the fundamentals that are necessary in making a logical decision in poker. We'll get into uh, hand, uh, hand ranges for preflop based on formation, based on the action given. Uh, we'll discuss flop textures, and we'll take a look at like overarching global strategies for uh, flop c-bet strats. Uh, moving into day two, you'll play Poker Out Loud, eight full hours where you'll be giving your in-game thoughts every time you're playing a spot. We'll give you a little template to follow so that nobody gets frazzled under the bright lights and we keep it nice and short and concise so that we get a bunch of hands in for you guys to study later. Day three will be a deeper dive into post-flop c-bet strategies. We'll examine turn strategies and river strategies as well and give you guys a full overview of what it is to play modern game theory style uh, or modern game theory influenced uh, poker. Uh, and then finally, day four will be another full day of Poker Out Loud. So when it's all said and done, you're going to have four days with us at the Academy. You're going to have uh, two days of your play to study indefinitely moving forward. And uh, you're going to have access to Christian Soto 24-7, 365. For the rest fee. of your career. <laughs> for a large fee. <laughs> <laughs> so be sure to sign up for that. If you're interested, uh, you can head to academy.solveforwide.io for more details. Uh, and if you haven't already, check out our Discord. Uh, that's available to you. Uh, you can head to Solve4Y Twitter. I believe it's at TV. It's our pinned tweet. Feel free to join. Uh, we have about a thousand members. It's a very active group. Um, you don't need to be a member of the subscription site in order to participate. We're happy to have you. Uh, further discussion there. That's going to do it for us. I got to catch a plane. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace.